Good evening, Patriots, and it's Sunday, March 27th in the year 2022. And I hope everybody is working on their gardens or growing some sort of food, even if it's indoors. We're going to talk a lot about that this week. We're going to talk some about it tonight. The looming food crisis is real, and it's literally going to shake the earth. And I think for the first time in modern history, we are going to witness true starvation in the United States. And I don't say this lightly. I'm not saying this to panic. But the facts that are lining up are truly startling. Just so I mention it, because they are what make this show possible, MyPillow.com is a place of getting the materials you need to rest well. And rest right now is critical, no matter how little you get or how much you get. MyPillow.com is the place to take advantage of what I think are the best sleep products on the market. The MyPillow Classic Pillow is down as low as 1998. The Giza sheets were absolutely incredible or discounted as much as 60% off. MyPillow is an amazing company, as we know. Mike Lindell is a, a patriot, fighter for liberty, and he leads this company in prayer literally every day. So check out MyPillow.com forward slash Bards is the Bards Nation landing page. You can use your promo code Bards, B-A-R-D-S, to get all these great savings. And in this period right now, when you use your promo code, you're going to get a copy of Mike Lindell's book, which is his story of rising from addict to one of the greatest CEOs in our time. So again, take care of yourself and your health, MyPillow.com. Also, the line of Expedition products, Expedition Coffee products, ExpeditionCoffee.com, X-P-E-D, are also designed for your health. They are designed to keep your immune system strong. So take a look at those, ExpeditionCoffee.com. Expedition Coffee is designed to boost your health and your mental focus that's how it was engineered as a coffee, and it give you that energy across the entire day, and it works in complement with the other products there, which include the Gut Health Triad, which helps heal and seal your gut immune XP, which is an immune booster based on pine cone extract with high levels of vitamin C. Earth, which is a full-body nutrient powder. Mix it with water, drink it like a shake. Do that once a day, and also Pure 47, which is one of the most refined silver extracts currently on the market. You can find all those products at Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. All these links are below the show. So the real issue is that we are dealing with a, a true crisis, which is on the measure of a biblical crisis of the shortage of food. And it's something that is beginning to emerge. And we've been talking about this for close to two years. And if we're going to talk about a radical act the radical act everyone should be doing is figuring out how to kill their lawn and grow a garden. I'm going to play just a couple pieces to kind of put in context. I think there are three pieces which kind of shape the context of what we're dealing with currently politically. But as you hear these pieces, as we go through them, I want you to keep in mind the idea of all of this rhetoric that's going on and this quiet looming storm of food shortage. And I just want you to, as I pl- we go through these three pieces here, I want you to just ask yourself how important these topics are going to be if we truly hit a point of starvation. So I want to begin with this little piece about one of our favorite trolls, 
Stacey Abrams. Take a listen to this. I've been waiting for months for this to come out. And of course, it didn't disappoint. Imagine four years ago being in debt and having no money to your name. And on top of that, owing the IRS. And then four years later, you're a multimillionaire. You know that means you sold your soul to politics. Enter Stacey Abrams, right? The woman who supposedly flipped Georgia and gave Biden the presidency. And in 2020, she announced she had made $7 million. Where'd she get it from? Easy. Book deals. Speaking engagements. Yeah. And now she wants to become the governor of Georgia. And if you haven't watched my previous TikTok, her nonprofit got money through the Roosevelt Institute, a liberal think tank, who, of course, was generously funded by, yeah, you knew Billy was there, the Gates Foundation. I don't know about you. I'd vote for someone who's self-made, not someone who's been paid and probably owes a lot of favors. Who do you think come first, us or the favors? The entire thing we're dealing with right now is just this constant mess. Stacey Abrams, the fact that she's even still in the political realm should tell you everything about the State of the Union. We know that she was actively involved in throwing the election in 2020, and she's now running for governor. So if that doesn't sum everything up for you, I don't know what will. This is the dirtbaggery that's gone on, and it's the cancer that persists while people tell you, get ready to go vote in the fall. Tell me what's changed. And in the meantime, I'm going to keep reminding you, farmers are now on the brink. Keep in mind that there is a legitimate food shortage that is swelling underneath all this that no one's talking about, that everyone's focused on this sort of nonsense. Here's a piece from Kash Patel. Listen to this. I want to ask your thoughts on the news yesterday. We didn't touch on this at all. Donald Trump filed a lawsuit yesterday. Yeah, and it's probably, um, hopefully he's not listening. It's his best one yet. No. Oh, is that um, right? I think so. It's the most conclusive, comprehensive lawsuit. It's basically if you took the Russiagate investigation with Jevin and I ran and looked at it from a criminal perspective, what Donald Trump has done is said, okay, how do I encompass everyone from Comey, Clinton, Clapper, Brennan, and all the whole DNC crew on down? How do I get them civilly in federal court? And the way you do it is you utilize this thing called RICO, Racketeering Enforcement and corrupt organizations. We used to prosecute gangs under RICO yes, statutes criminally. Yes, cartels, you're right. Um, but what people, most people don't realize is RICO also has a civil function. So what he did was he took the RICO statute, which is permissible under by law, and said these guys orchestrated the largest criminal enterprise in U.S. history, but I'm suing them on my civil side of the house for, I don't know, $75 million. The whole point, right, is to get to discovery. Yes. Well, then also civil can lead to criminal. Absolutely. It can. But I think John Durham's got that covered. We can talk about that later. But I think what, what the president wanted to focus on was finally say, I'm not going after onesies and twosies here. I'm bringing everybody in, one federal lawsuit. Everybody's got to go to the table as a defense. So just being objective, do you think this has a chance of yes. walk us through why? Because, I mean, we've just kind of been so used to be cynical. Sure. Right? And, and, you know, we've been we, you know, we, we talk about how hard it is for defamation and when you get deplatformed right. and all that. This is totally different animal. What he did was figure out a way uh, with his team of lawyers to say, okay, how can we encompass everybody? And the only real way to do that is RICO. But is there a way to hold them accountable under that statute civilly? RICO permits that both monetarily with judgments north of $100 million, which he doesn't really care about. But if you find them at fault, um, the discovery process along the way is what's critical because they're going to have to come in and say, no, Mr. President, we did not violate the RICO statute. We did not 
enter into an organized conspiracy against you to prevent you from being president. And then while you were president, we did not go up and illegally surveil you. And oh, how, by the way, the great thing is, how are they going to get around that? There's an inspector general report that says exactly what they did. And that's, how, that's what Donald Trump brought civilly. And there's also Department of Justice filings, the revocation of the FISA warrants against Carter Page. How are they going to get around that? So let me be real clear. I'm all for this. I'm also going to be very realistic. Anything like this that's going on takes months, if not several years. The magnitude of these sort of civil cases don't go away quickly, and they aren't solved quickly. I put all that in context, and I say so because this is a time when this, the United States is in real, there's a real dire issue growing on here, and I mentioned it already. It's food. Let me read you something here, which I find to be interesting. And this comes from a really good article on Doomberg. It's a it's a, a um, substack, Doomberg substack, Farmers on the Brink. This is the second paragraph. Actually, yeah, the second paragraph. I want you to, I'm going to read this to you. While the concept of a perfect storm is often too casually assigned to popular culture, it is difficult to find a more apt description of what is unfolding in the global agriculture markets over these past several months. The tempest caused by the European energy disaster has merged with the hurricane of consequences flowing from Russia's invasion of Ukraine, forming a genesis of generational crisis in food that will leave few unaffected. While we've been warning about just such a scenario for some time, after spending the past two weeks traveling across the U.S. Midwest and conferring with our contacts in the agriculture sector, even we are a little spooked by what we've learned. In a financial crash, the correlation between all asset classes converges to one. The coming crash in global food supply will be driven by a similar phenomenon across virtually every input into farming. They are all spiking to historical highs simultaneously. Supply availability is diminishing across the spectrum, and the time to reverse the worst of the upcoming consequences is rapidly running short. My point of this is that when we, if we're going to stay focused on this stuff of like, what Kash Patel is talking about, or the drama of Stacey Abrams. And I'm going to re play another one here for you to hear. All these are relevant to the current events. But at the core, when we start talking about what's coming, if we are not individually planting our gardens and sowing seeds, literally, there is a major problem everyone's going to suffer through. This is a really big deal that we're facing right now. And I've been talking about it now for close to two years. The importance of getting Patriot Gardens going. I've done a number of shows on it as well. And we're, in fact, hopefully, if everything's in place this week, we're, and it'll be near the end of the week or on the weekend, we're going to start doing a weekly Q&A and, and live stream on CloudHub on gardening and the various aspects of gardening, including canning and other things. It is absolutely essential that people start to understand the importance of what we're talking about. The time to start getting things going is rapidly running short. 
another little statistic that should disturb everybody. And I'm still looking for some additional confirmation of this, but it fits in with the studies that I've done. And just to be clear, I've been active in the gardening space of the small scale urban homestead model, which was led by John Jevons. And I've mentioned him before. And that whole revolution, which has actually spread across the world, except here in this nation, surprising it's hit here, but it's really big in Africa, Middle East, Asia, Central Asia. That whole concept that they've approached on was the diminishing and levels of our soil and the destruction of our topsoil. From what I came across today, if this is true, which doesn't surprise me if it is, I'm not exaggerating what I'm going to tell you here. 50 planting cycles and the current way we are doing business will exhaust the soils permanently. The soils in in our main agriculture sectors have about 50 planting cycles left before they are so exhausted they are not recoverable. That means that the individual person growing your food, is it is absolutely a national security necessity. We are back to Patriot Gardens, which is was called Victory Gardens. And that is a way through this. It does solve the food problem. But we have to be able to set aside the pressures and the the all the drama that's going on in the political space, including this nonsense like this from this is uh, Yuval Noah Harari, which is the advir- advisor to Klaus Schwab. And I mean, this is the real of what we've are, what we're dealing with now from a an attack point of view. Stacey Abrams represents the entire corruption of the system. Kash Patel represents at least what we can see of it. Trump's method of fighting back to a system which has obviously completely failed. We're going to hear now a piece from Noah Harari, which is going to give you a real deeper insight into the motives of this injection. Again, keep in mind that underneath all of this is a looming food crisis. And COVID is critical because this is what convinces people to accept, to legitimize total biometric surveillance. If we want to stop this epidemic, we need not just to monitor people, we need to monitor what's happening under their skin. What we have seen so far, it's corporations and governments collecting data about where we go, who we meet, what movies we watch. The next phase is the surveillance going under our skin. We now see mass surveillance systems established even in democratic countries, which previously rejected them. And we also see a change in the nature of surveillance. Previously, surveillance was mainly above the skin. Now it's going under the skin. Governments want to know not just where we go or who we meet, above all, they want to know what is happening under our skin. What's our body temperature? What's our blood pressure? What what is our medical condition? Now humans are developing even bigger powers than ever before. We are really acquiring divine powers of creation and destruction. We are really upgrading humans into gods. We are acquiring, for instance, the the power to re-engineer life. 
humans are now hackable animals. You know, the, the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election or whether in the supermarket, this is my free will, that's over. I mean, all this story about Jesus rising from the dead and being the son of God, this is fake news. I know that in recent years, we saw populist politicians undermining deliberately the trust that people have in important institutions like universities, like respectable media outlets. Yeah, he actually thinks that uh, Jesus is a portion of fake news. The guy's going straight to hell. That's not my worry. He's already there, as far as I'm concerned, and probably has a one-way ticket with first-class seat. But the point is that there's a couple of issues here. One, that is really the motive of what they're trying to do. And the more that you follow this, follow on of the injections, you'll notice that they're talking less and less about the unvaxxed. And they're talking more and more about getting more vaxes into the already vaxxed. The bifurcation is literally here. And it is at this point in time that we have to just make a decision of whether we're going to give any worry to someone like Harari, which I don't, I'd love to have him for dinner because I swear I'd find a pig farm to take him to after for dessert. And that's just who they are. And they are telling you the plan for a couple of reasons. I'm pretty convinced because part of the reason they continue to share the plan is they need to keep the seed of fear in people. For those that have stepped away, I'll say for the most part, Bard's nation has stepped away and we're just kind of shrugging our shoulders because as we walk strongly in that path of Christ and with and to reach into the wisdom of Father, none of this should be affecting you because that is a fearless walk. This is just noise. But for those that are in the clutches of the matrix, this is more confirmation and importance that there's a lot of people that are going to be nodding their head and agreeing. They're going to be like, this is necessary. This is what's going to save humanity. I don't know how many people will really wake from this other than they'll literally, this can be more confirmation that they need to stay where they are. That's hard to say. And yet this is what consumes the news cycles right now. And it consumes the Patriot news cycles. By the way, I just need to say it. The piece from on Harari was done by War Room. It was a fantastic compilation by War Room. So the things that are there, from Kash Patel to Stacey Abrams to, to Harari, all relevant and pressing topics within the news cycles, especially for, I would just say, patriot or awake news. The problem is that none of that is addressing a core issue that is going to affect everybody, and all of this becomes irrelevant when people can't eat. We have a looming food crisis that's going to level everything. And when I mean level, it doesn't matter whether you have a billion dollars or whether you have no money. When food is short, food is short. End of story. And while we know that there is prepping going on and people have stocks and resources, there is not enough initiative going on to get people to start growing food of their own. I've spent the last year and a half converting part of this quarter acre that I have on my house 
here into a very robust and and very effective garden. I did the calculation today and I was actually kind of stunned at how far it's come in that amount of time. Because I've, I, by the calculation today, I'm actually going to hit 90% to 100% of our fresh food needs outside of eggs and milk and meat. Okay, those three. And grains. I mean, but as far as the fresh produce and fresh food needs, including some herbals for medicinals, 90 to 100% of that will be achieved this year from that space in the backyard. When I start talking about high-intensity gardening and what it takes, it takes a lot of work. And I've, I've already set out a place for ducks to raise them, and I'm working on setting up some uh, beehives. So that takes care of a pretty good range of everything. The, what's missing there, obviously, are grains, and there's that's where some of the preps and stocks go into, right? But I'm very serious about, I've been very serious about the importance of this and I have not in any way ever myself taken it lightly on what we're facing. Gardening is not something that just happens. If you have seeds, you have to start using them because you have to start understanding how to grow. And just throwing seeds on the ground does not get you anywhere. That's why when we talk about the decline of the farmer cycles and how important this is, when a farmer puts his field into fallow, which they have been being paid to do this, in fact, they were told during COVID if they did not, many of the farmers, if they would not put their fields into fallow, meaning they would not grow anything, they were going to be taxed on their property as if they were going to be taxed on all the earnings that they were receiving from subsidies from the federal government. But if they put their fields to fallow, then the government would pay them a subsidy. That, that's, that was the whole setup of this whole thing. In addition to the connections of fertilizer, which has gone up over 300%. You have diesel, which is now skyrocketing and it's becoming harder to get, which drives all your tractors. Europe has 40 days of diesel left. The crisis is looming. And in behind all this, even though people can say, well, look all the food we still grow in the States. Right now, perhaps, but in the Midwest, even when I drove through the Midwest last fall, I was stunned to see how many fields were in fallow. I really was. It just wasn't the production going on that I'd seen before. There is a lot of urgency to this. And it's critical that we start to look very important and at our role. Sowing seeds is both a actual action and a metaphor in faith. And the stewardship of the land is a great aspect of what we're called to do. We're literally reclaiming the kingdom with every time we steward land. So I'm, I'm focused right now on trying to get this message out to people because it, the time is crushing down upon us. I went in my neighborhood. There's ourselves and another family that have a robust garden. Another neighbor has a minimal garden, actually two neighbors. And I don't know many other people that even are taking any attention other than getting home delivery from the grocery store. And the worst part about it is people are still seeing good sales. They're not seeing a lot of increase because they're not paying attention, but food costs have gone up substantially. Food costs are up anywhere from 25 to 35% since the beginning of the year. And that's not being weighted into your overall 
inflation rates. And that doesn't count for gas. But that doesn't touch the upstream aspect to this. We're on the downstream end of food production. In 1942, there was about 45% of the U.S. families that had an active and robust garden. Today, that number is like 0.1%. I'm not exaggerating. And it was so effective in World War II, 1942 range, that the small gardens in America produced equal to the overall national production of food. So we can sit here and we can complain about this large agriculture issue or we can take a form and lead the way like Joseph did and instead of just focusing on silos because we don't have a national storage and we don't have national storages for grains and so forth, at least not that is available to us. And instead, we could be focusing on encouraging and really doing the outreach in our own discipleship in getting people to literally grow gardens. That is an action of sowing seeds. And it takes the ideal of sowing seeds to a practical application that literally saves lives and in the process saves souls. And I'm not exaggerating. So I'm really encouraging this right now. It's uh, I, I'm, it's heavy on my heart because I can. I've been taking the time to drive around and see who's actually doing this, and even in my county, which tends to be, we have a lot of rural space in our county. I am stunned at how few people are doing anything in terms of gardening, and I think a lot of this is the outcome of this COVID crisis. I mean, I see people raising cattle in certain areas. I see people raising goats. There's one guy that's putting in a, in his couple of acres, he's putting in a new vineyard and that's great, super. But nobody's ex- realizing the magnitude of what's coming at us. And when we start talking about making America great again, in those in that phraseology and in that concept, I mean, it, There's so much focus still on President Trump and when's he going to return. What this lawsuit tells me with Kash Patel's discussion is that he's not coming back anytime soon. That lawsuit has to run its course. And if people are expecting like some big military white hat takeover, perhaps it's happening, perhaps it's not. I'll be the first to tell you I'll love it if it happens. Here's the deal. I mean, I love it and I hate it. I always say that because it's a dual-edged sword. When you get to that point that you have something like that have to happen, it's easy to cheer it on. It's difficult to get people to relinquish power once they've assumed it. Just keep that in mind. But in all of this chaos, there is one factor which I, I don't think we have just, as a people in the United States, I just don't think we have realized how powerful we are as change agents. We keep being sub- subject to these sorts of news cycles where it's like, oh, another one, Stacey Abrams. Oh, Harari, man, this is what they're trying to do to us. Oh, Kash Patel, when's this going to happen? This sort of gasping and depression of it's never happening fast enough when in fact the fastest track we have to success has been the model of county by county. And I think that from the standpoint of that, I've, I've had some feedback in the last couple of weeks of people trying to suggest that county by county was like, I got it, it's basic. It's like, no, then you don't get it. Because county by county, 
isn't just a couple things you do in the home. It is a radical event because each home that does it starts to establish a measure of sovereignty and it takes an unbelievable level of discipline to accomplish it and to sustain it and to grow it. And that's the whole principle behind that is that as households begin to establish a measure of sovereignty for their home, which that includes paying off debt, paying off the mortgage, getting your house secured, building up your your backyard into a garden or your front yard into a garden, or if you don't have that, finding a place inside the home to grow some food and sustain, getting prepped, taking care of your health. What's going to happen when the medical system implodes? I mean, are you prepared for that? Are you prepared to be able to deal with a major cut, a burn, or even a broken arm if the medical system implodes? Because it is going to when this starts to collapse. And I, we are already pushed away from that system. And I, to me, this is always God's gift to us because it's like I'm preparing you. This is how I've read this all along is God saying to us, I'm preparing you. I'm showing you what isn't going to work. And I'm showing you what you need to do and you need to prepare. And God has been giving us the signs to do everything we can to prepare. That's my opinion. And I'm, I've lived that way. So I'm really looking at a place right now where not everybody's going to be able to accomplish paying off the mortgage. Not everybody's going to be able to accomplish paying off the debt. I get that. And there just has to be in your mindset the ability of layers of preparation that you're doing. You know, do you have a go bag set up that in, in your go bag, if you, something happened that you had to relocate for whatever reason, that you also include in that go bag the necessary seeds to start a garden? That's it, like I've never seen go. I've two things I've never seen in a go bag. One is seeds to grow a garden, and two is a Bible. That's the go bag I build. And I'm not saying any of the other things aren't there, but it's is absolutely important that we get this in our head. I believe that you know when we're talking about sowing seeds in the Bible, it's both metaphor and exacting what is the way of the future because you have to eat. It's just a very critical time. I did some seed searching today for a few things I was looking for, and man, it is, they are out. And I'm really, there's a, and there's just, they're not that uncommon things. I mean, they're not that, they're not that uncommon, right? So I was just surprised at how quickly seed seeds, and I ordered seeds early. I wanted to pick up a few more. This is a really important time to get very, very focused on where we are. And in the order of things, always our relationship with God. And as we move down that right now, Patriot Gardens should be right underneath that. And that ties to me, that bridge is sowing seeds. It's an amazingly important principle in our life that we have drifted so far from because we have been roped into the concept of convenience and everything in our life has been driven by convenience so that we can have more freedom to pursue our careers, more freedom to work for a corporation and and hate our job but get better benefits, 
You know, it's interesting. You talk about, you hear the discussions that, for example, healthcare is a human right. Okay. Healthcare doesn't feed you. Healthcare doesn't fill your tank. But this is one of these distortions again that keeps happening. My hope is to get as many people, including the young people involved in gardening. We have to make it, I mean, literally, if you want to get a good phrase, we need to make gardening great again, right? Make gardening great again. We need to because it's critical. In World War II, back, to, you know, I mentioned that, how much food they grew. I mean, they literally grew enough food in small gardens across this nation that it became so, it, there was so much food grown, in fact, that that's why ultimately they just, they tried to get rid of gardening out of America lifestyle. During the war, the big agribusinesses were growing food and shipping most of it overseas, a large percentage of it overseas to support the troops and to support Europe in the United States, people were growing in their backyards and obviously some small holdings, but a lot of that and that victory garden concept, which is what we're calling Patriot gardens today, only a little bit on steroids, that victory garden concept with 45% of the population grew equal. It was like massive tonnage of food in the millions of tons equal to the corporate Model. So what happened after World War II is there was a concerted effort to try to get people away from the garden and push them back into the grocery store. And all that was done with convenience and consolidation and in in, in picking, buying up of the small farms, encouraging people to move to suburbs, all those things. And that led us ultimately to where we are today, which is a place of high levels of vulnerability. And we are very vulnerable and we shouldn't be everything that, and I'm going to go into this more in detail tomorrow night, but everything about the vulnerabilities of the current crisis in agriculture are all centered on the sorts of things that the petroleum and, and energy business drive natural gas and fuel home gardens. Don't rely on that. And as, you, as you're growing small things, you're actually building huge revitalization of the soil. We're not going to be able to affect the large issues. And I think that's ultimately where this comes to is that just like with the story of Kash Patel or Stacey Abrams or Harari, those are decisions that we can either obsess over or we can just say, well, it's not going to affect my life and I keep moving. That's how I choose. I bring that part of news here every night in some form it's just kind of keep pace with the narratives that are going. But at the end of the day, when my, I pivot my life back every day to the seven pillars. And to me, that is the radical action that needs to be taken. If you want to flip tables, follow seven pillars. And I mean that because what you're doing is you're sticking your finger in the eye of corporate America and telling them I'm not going to play anymore. And that's literally what we need to be doing. Not, and it begins with one household that shares and goes on to the, to, the, to the many. That is how you become the lamp on the hill. In this coming time, and you know, there's always this little voice in the back of my head, and it says, like, well, what if you're wrong? 
then I'm wrong. And I ask myself, what's the downside? And I can't come up with a single downside to being better prepared to not being dependent on the corporate infrastructure of food and becoming more independent in your home. There's no negative on that. So let's say this storm blows over and there's no food crisis. I don't know how that's going to happen. I don't know what magic widget people are expecting to occur, but I don't think that's going to be the case because, frankly, if you think about it, there's only two things that ultimately can wake up America because apparently COVID didn't. The reality of taking the injection hasn't done a damn thing except make people more concerned about taking another booster. And the media has been able to completely convince this public, which I'm also beginning to believe this Ukraine thing is a, is a t- test, in my opinion, of frequency manipulation of this mRNA and nanotech that's in people. I think you're actually witnessing their ability to control the emotional response of the masses between color in the propaganda, which is the flag, and frequency. That's what my personal opinion is. But we're really into that core group of people that have stepped away and said, we're not going to play. We're looking at a critical issue of how we're going to be able to endure this, knowing that those over there on the Vax are not paying attention. And this storm is here. And it's not something that's just going to be able to be washed under the rug. Even if they ramp up fuel production today and they to get from increased outputs of fertilizer or natural gas to turn that into fertilizer from upstream to downstream, you're talking three to six months. And to make that happen, that means your farmer cycles aren't for another year. So you can start working this away. But the point that I'm getting at is that if you look at this from a lens that of like a God-type lens, as much as we can do that, it makes a lot of sense that you would ultimately have to shake a world by bringing people to their knees to force them to work together, to build fellowship and ignore their governments. And to put before people something greater than all this fake propaganda or all this propaganda about COVID. And what is that? Starvation and the loss of all your money. It's pretty real. And I think it's here. And I think that it's here very, very much. This is Matthew 13, 24, starting at 24. Jesus presented another parable to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and left. And when the wheat sprouted and produced grain, then the weeds also became evident. And the slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No. While you are gathering up the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, 
First gather up the weeds and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. There's a lot of wisdom in that passage. All red letter language. And if we sit and just reflect on that, just one aspect of the many depths and layers of that. Our whole world has been seeded with weeds. And over the past five years, incrementally, God has been bringing a sword to this world and slowly separating the wheat from the weeds. And we're able to see it more visibly than ever right now, just like it's said, because for the first time, we see all the weeds that are around us. It's transparent. It's been allowed to grow up. And in order then to preserve the wheat, it's going to be necessary to remove the weeds first. Think about that carefully. Because in a time of crisis, and food is going to be one of them, Each one of us is a stock of wheat. We have to be able to endure the time that the weeds are pulled out. We can't be expecting additional sustenance or anything else. We, as stocks of wheat, literally have to be strong in and amongst ourselves. It's a simple reality. No matter what happens and what befalls this nation, One thing is absolutely true. The only hope that we have ultimately is to weed out the problem. But to do that, as you are witnessing in Ukraine, and Ukraine is a great model to pay attention to, in order to get to help the people, they had to first weed out many of the Asaf Battalion and Nazis. And they've had to build corridors for people to leave those areas to get to humanitarian assistance. And that's just temporary. What we are dealing now is a massive crisis on a global level of food. It's not just here. It's everywhere. As China's been stocking up, as we probably have been stocking, I have no idea what our national reserves are. But the whole production of food is falling. And in the smoke right now, all we hear is the voice of someone like Bill Gates saying, you need to eat bioengineered food. And the bioengineering food industry is starting to ramp up. And you and I all know that when you start talking about bioengineering food, you are talking about anything they can use to create protein sustenance for people to keep them pacified and happy and not wanting to revolt. If you haven't seen the movie Soylent Green, I would suggest you watch. And once you take food and you start diminishing food, a government can come in and make the grandest promises ever. And people will accept it in desperation. When you start talking about holding the line and truly holding the line, you better be able to feed yourself and you better be able to maintain your household. That's the true holding the line. Everything else is rhetoric. Let's pray. Father, we come to you tonight with a solemn message and a solemn understanding of the events that we are placed before us. 
We're looking at this world and its inevitable spiral down and the collapse of institutions that have kept us enslaved. And for us to be real, from what we can see, from the vantage point that you've given us, if we're going to be honest in our hearts, we know that this system has to be brought down completely in order for us to be free. That said, that also should be telling all of us to take the appropriate care to ensure a strength in our household, not just for ourselves, but the ability as well in different capacities to be able to help our neighbors. We have become the watchers on the wall. And we have become that voice of reason and wisdom and discipleship. So, Father, we just pray this evening that in each person's heart that hears this message or feels that pull to continue pushing forward with preparations for scarcity. If all of this passes with the blessing of your hand and somehow by some miracle that only you could manifest, and we're all open to that, if none of this comes to pass, then at least we have listened and we have prepared and we have access to share. Let us not be timid about preparations. Let us not be doubtful about the need and importance of the hour. Let us pay attention to what's going on. Let us listen to what you have for us to hear in our hearts and let us execute as you push us forward. Each one of us carries with us the opportunity to save souls. Father, we pray that this is just part of that greater mission and that that opportunity continues to arise. But allow us each and offer us each that place and that understanding of where we can best prepare in our homes and in our lives to be most effective for you in this battle and in this war. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Serious times and a lot to consider. We're going to be going over a lot more of this this week. We're going to talk a lot about messaging. I think when we get into, we have some pretty good people lining up. I'll be doing some talks when we start these talks on CloudHub. I'll do one. I've got the resistance chicks. We've got some other people coming in. We're going to do as much as we can to help provide resources for each person to be able to be better prepared. I just encourage you to take it very seriously. There's a wealth of information on YouTube. There's a wealth of information out there, period, on being prepared. And if you are feeling you're behind the curve and that it's too late, it's not too late, ever too late. It just takes moving forward and taking action and taking it seriously and being reasonable with what you can do. Again, as much as I hate YouTube for our show, YouTube is a massive wealth of amazing information on this sorts of topics. I would encourage you to mine it, use it as much as you can, learn as much as you can. If you're going to be building libraries, as I've been doing, get yourself into paper books, not digital. At the very least, get PDFs. And if you, if you can't print them off, then get PDFs and store them on a separate USB stick and put it in a Faraday bag. 
really important principles to start following. It's we have to, you're, we're dealing with a rabid beast that's being cornered. I have no idea what they're going to do. I'm not going to play their doom and gloom junk and try to pretend like they're going to nuke the world. I, I just shrug my shoulders and say, whatever, I can't afford it. I can't affect it anyway. I am concerned in a real sense of being an effective soldier in Christ's army. And food is one of those things that we can be extremely effective in, in not only for our families, but in the others in our community. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. This is a really wonderful time to see the opportunities which God has placed before us to realize how much gift he has given us in the eyes to see. Our prayers are such that we can really be praising God right now, and I would encourage us all to do that. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But now is when we are defined. We are here in this time and this place for such a time as this. And it is true meaning when we say occupy the land and expand the kingdom. Mission forward, patriots. I'll see you tomorrow afternoon for Bended Knee, 1 p.m. Pacific. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through, fight for all we had to lose. Reaching out for something to pull us up to the level ground. Oh, I can see it now. I can see it now. Sits down, oh.
found Reaching through somehow Oh, you're an island when the world is too loud When the seasons change I know the space between us will stay the same Resting on this faith When your soul answers calls far away Thank you. 